flexing their muscles because they understand how it works, right? Right, yeah. That they wink at it first, and they, but you know they're going to play with it later, too. Right. Like, I am hitting on you, this is a sexual thing moment. He could do whatever he wanted. He also had, like, a classy <laughs> yeah. chin he was, and, like, beautiful He was a beautiful man. Everybody in America <laughs> wanted to fuck yeah. the shit out of him. He just looks kind of blank and weird. Most people probably feel this more than they feel the stinging kiss of death. There's just a lot of energy and emotion behind it. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that suck and shows that blowed. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. Featuring the VIPs of SBTV, Austin G and Dr. DB with our AT&C money. Weird TV is their specialty. It might be all four, or just one, two, or three. Cause they're old and kinda busy. So go get ready and take a peek. So set your phasers to download the rarity that we have bestowed. Special moments no one would have showed. Open your body holes cause you're gonna get told Grab yourself a drink and let's unload In a very special episode Hello during a random dessert The month and day of which coincide numerically with your expulsion from a uterus Funny because last week was my birthday, nobody noticed and nobody cared. You don't remember the huge party we threw? <laughs> of course I remember my birthday. What a party. Hey, you know it's really fun? Drinking, but you know what's yeah. really bad is waking up from a night of drinking. Ooh, ow, my Boo. head. It's Nobody terrible. likes a hangover. And yet they hang. Except for that one movie. Everybody liked at least the first <laughs> Everybody movie. liked that movie. No one really liked it. We just <laughs> tolerated it at the time. I think we enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, you like a lot of trash. <laughs> true. That's true. Fair yeah. read. I know you very well. Uh, so if you can't tell, you are listening to a very special episode, and we are going to be exploring the fun of drinking and the pain of hangovers in a very special episode of Community, Season 2, Episode 10, Mixology Certification. And I am your host this evening, Carolyn Main, and with me, as is frequent, we have... Austin Gordon. And with me, who is usually with me, but we don't record most of it, is... Aaron Walker? Yeah. You're my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I, I live here at yeah. AVSC Central West 2. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great location, and you do all the hard maintenance with the cords and whatnot. Right, I'm the plug guy. <laughs> and then also in this side of the nation, but not necessarily in our house at this time, we have... Kyle McCormick! Yay! And let's go around and say what our relations to ourselves and each other are. Oh, I should tell you, 
so you know Austin. And Kyle is a new boy to most of you. He is part of Portland's own River City Podcast Federation, where you will mm-hmm. find a very special episode, as well as a couple of Kyle projects, including Rebootsies and Specscript. That's right. right. Yeah, any others? And thanks for the plugs. Um, I also host, host a podcast, podcast called the All Seeing Eyes Podcast with Shane Hosey from the Hosey Hustle. Uh, that is not on River City Podcast Federation, but it is on iTunes. <laughs> well, there you it's go. about conspiracies, and it's infrequent. Is it on, check it out. Is it on iTunes, like All Seeing iTunes? That is such Illuminati a good pun. Tunes. I'm furious. I'm furious at how good that is. <laughs> uh, you have to use uh, it in yours, right? We're going to have to. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so let's all go around and say what our relationship to community is and what we are drinking. Uh, I am Carolyn, and I love community. I've watched it a couple times with this one over here, and I am drinking a martini. Uh, I'm Aaron Walker, and uh, I've watched community several times. I watched it uh, when it was first broadcasting, pretty much from season one on. Um Followed it through all of its various iterations, and I am drinking a gin martini as well. And Austin? Oh, good. I'm glad you clarified, Aaron. I was going to ask you guys if you were drinking real martinis or vodka martinis. Oh, shit. No, I think I think we're the good one, you hipster drinker. Yes. Uh, uh, yes, I am very much like Jeff in this episode and, and can get uh, all kinds of... Um, uh, uppity about booze uh <laughs> community i love community um i watched it also from the beginning um from the pilot episode and through all of its kooky variations and weird remember when it was on yahoo i don't uh, even want to talk about it <laughs> yahoo's short-lived yeah. attempt at having streaming content i hard um, quit and i'm really angry about what they did to it yeah, no, it was that was not good. I, I um, like that you're referring to it as dead. Yahoo believes it is very much still alive. Yeah, well, I, yeah. Yahoo yeah. believes everything it does is still alive, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and it's wrong. They think um, that sweet directory homepage is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Side, sidebar to Yahoo, David and I were just talking earlier today about how annoying it is that we use Yahoo for our various fantasy sports enterprises, and that's literally the only thing we use Yahoo for. And they have, they're like constantly logging you out and making you add all these layers of security. And we're like, Yahoo, no one gives a shit about you. No <laughs> one uses you for anything important. Chill out. Hint to hackers. Hack Austin and David's sweet fantasy sports Yeah, game. exactly. I mean, if someone wants to hack in my <laughs> Yahoo account and fuck with my fantasy baseball team, I guess they can do that. Yeah, how many fantasy baseballs is a Bitcoin worth right now? I'm not sure. <laughs> not very many. Not very many. <laughs> But yeah, I would I would probably count Community as one of my all like top ten favorite shows. Me too, right? Oh, and Austin, what are you drinking? Oh yeah, and I am drinking a Leinenkugels. What is beer. that? That doesn't sound real. Good uh, old Leinies. It is a yeah a Leinies. It's a vaguely local. Uh, it's brewed in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, which is about ninety oh, minutes across the border from me also into Wisconsin. Sound real? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> and Kyle. Um, I, uh, I also love Community. Um, I, I actually used to work next door to Community on the Paramount lot for, for a couple of years. Um, I, I was, a, an extra on Glee for two years oh, of my shit. Oh, life. no shit. Our one fan yeah, loves yeah. Glee. Oh, no I shit. Love, okay. I love Glee. And also, I'm Bummer. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I love it in a kind of ironic sort of way. Yeah. yeah. Glee had a really good pilot. And I'll say that. And as, as somebody whose rent was paid by Glee for two years, I'll say it had a good pilot. I would. And that's about as far as I'll go. Glee pilot is definitely one of the best TV pilots. It's, it's very good. good. It's, it's very, very strong. Remarkable. And I feel like my affection for the pilot is what carried me through most of watching it. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. Um, but so I, I, um, there was always a friendly rivalry between Glee and Community because they, they were on side by side on the Paramount lot. Um, and I was also just involved in the LA comedy community at the time, which was pretty much 75% of Community's fan base. Um, oh. and so it's just, you know, very personal to me. And, uh, and I really love it a lot. And I'm drinking a glass of very bad red wine. Ooh, very bad red wine. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, a huge mistake. And speaking of the community love and just how good that show is, I'm doing a gloat round. Uh, another Harmon vehicle, which is a very good television, is Rick and Morty. And you can find a Carolyn Maine cover of a Rick and Morty comic coming to a comic book store near you. Oh, really? Congratulations. Thank I saw you. that. It's fantastic. It's online, and we'll be sharing it with you. And look that up. Get some sea money in your in your comic book collection. You can find that comic on Oni Press, My Shopify. Look at the collection's new releases products, Rick and Morty Pocket, like you stole it one variant cover, writer Teeny Howard, artist Mac Ellerby and Katie Farina, cover artist Carolyn Maine. Oh my god, buy that. And if you want, I have some, and if you PayPal me, $5 I'll send you one. So, that's Carolyn Maine at Gmail at PayPal. Thank you. Yeah, I, it's been hard to sit here and, like, get to see a sneak preview of it and not get a chance to talk to anybody about it, because it's been very <laughs> exciting. Right, thank you. Yeah, look for that. So, anyways, we all love community. And, Kyle, yeah, how is working on Glee? Do you have any shade beyond the, your polite shade? Do you? <laughs> all all <laughs> of my shade is polite shade. about a cast member, like, pooping in a sink? Or what do you got? What do you got? Mm. No, um, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like hang out with any of the cast. I was saying that all of my shade is polite and I, I don't have a lot of two crazy stories. I didn't hang out with the cast very much. Um, I can tell you who is nice and who is not, but that is pretty much the extent. And all of my, that person's not so nice is purely vibe based. Um, <laughs> who's your favorite vibe real fast? Favorite vibe. I mean, oh, honestly, favorite vibe was probably Cory Monteith. There who passed go. away a few years ago. He oh, was a really, really, really sweet guy. Oh, yeah. um, the good one died. That's that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Worst vibe, Leah Michelle for sure. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not surprising at all. Also, at the time, I looked exactly like Chris Colfer, which was real weird. I still look surprisingly like Chris Colfer. Um, Our one but at fan the time, is going to understand all of this. <laughs> he's the guy that looks uh, like me. He's the he's the gay teenager. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah, though he's he's frighteningly ageless. I feel like I when I see him now, he still looks the same as he did during Glee. Yeah, it's uh, horrifying. But at at the time, we were similarly uh, cherubic young men, <laughs> and <laughs> um, yeah, but it was it was fun. Um, I just got a lot of free food and a little bit of money, and that was all I needed at the time. Did you ever Very get cool. to break out and dance or song? No, I never had to break out and dance in song. I did at one point have a close-up of me giving creepy eyes at a young lady. 
um, nice. on purpose, not just incidentally. <laughs> they didn't just happen to catch that on film and then work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't the day that they saw me do that. It was um, they. I was specifically requested to, and uh, that was my biggest claim to fame on the whole thing. Is just me giving a real bad look at somebody. You just like represent male gaze. I did. I did almost almost literally. Was that your credit? A, <laughs> I wasn't credited. <laughs> <laughs> if only I was credited. Well, we'll just um, have to take your word for it then, that you were even no, on you, the show. You can go find it. I, I can send you screenshots. You guys, you, told, you if, totally should. I'll put one up on our website. Right? Our crack okay, research team. I will. Team. What if somebody is going to review all the Glee episodes? Like we used to do Saved by the Bell and like fall in love with Kyle. Like we fell in love with Herbert <laughs> Hodes. That'd be great. I'd love it. Hit me up. Yeah, well, uh, I, I definitely have plans to do some Glee episodes for the show sometime, so we'll have to get you back on for those. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Look at us with our insider shop talk. Ooh. Oh, hello. <laughs> hey, it's, it's the Carnival guys. We're guys. That yeah. do we have a podcast. It's called Carnival. It's Carnival. on the same network as the podcast that you're listening to. It's Not the River clowns. City Federation. River City Podcast Federation. Says who? Says the River City Podcast Federation. Well, I, there's no I proof. Didn't, I didn't vote you're on that. To, I didn't vote on that. You're listening to a great program on River City Podcast Federation. We After this one, on listen to ours. Listen to ours. It's on the same website. Ooh. <laughs> I was born in 89. Then you were born 21 years ago. Which would make me 20, because everyone is 10 for two years. Because fifth grade is really hard for everyone. Mom, how many lives have I been living? I'm taking you to L Street. Ugh, douche street. Oh, of course you hate cool bars. Think of it as Troy taking his first bath. Only the bubbles are his manhood. Yes, I want to bathe in manhood. Fine. Count of three, name the least offensive bar you've ever been to. One, two, three. Flat a handful. Done. <laughs> so, so let's dive into it, folks. We start out in the study room where we spend so much time, and it's so much good time. And this time, we are giving Troy a birthday cake. But they can't say a birthday because he's in a cult <laughs> called Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> it's one of those little plot details about our character details about Troy that I had forgotten about until they brought it up. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> the show is really, really consistent in the early years with stuff like that, which is fantastic. Yeah. Where it'll just yeah. leave it alone for an entire season. And that it's a Dan Harmon thing. Like, as soon as it becomes yeah. relevant again, it just comes roaring back. Mm hmm. Right, and it's such a good little gag. Yeah, the the universe is is very. It has a life outside of the screen time that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. Just because you're not being beat over the head with it doesn't mean that it changed. And they don't just abandon all the plot threads as soon as they get bored. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like other shows, you see, other shows those shall remain nameless. Show, 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 show. <laughs> <laughs> so then Pierce is wondering if they're giving him a not-birthday party, why didn't they give Pierce a birthday party? <laughs> and Jeff fakes Pierce into thinking that they did, and everyone goes along with it. And Troy even <laughs> almost bleeds him for keg money. <laughs> it's a brutal gaslighting. 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, true story, I proposed a similar scheme to my parents when my grandpa was getting up there in age <laughs> and was still Whoa. with it enough to like expect some sort of like extravagant birthday party, but not so with it that he really had any recollection of what was going on. And I sort of half jokingly was like, guys, I mean, we could just tell him we had a great party. He's not going to remember it either way. And I felt like a terrible person after that. Baby Austin <laughs> is a bad boy. Yeah, <laughs> rightfully so. <laughs> or maybe that was just evil Austin. Oh, evil Austin was mm. baby Austin. Pat, pass through the mirror, mirror universe. <laughs> and then uh, 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 Pierce is also in a wheelchair for some reason that I can't quite remember. Uh, he, 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 he broke both his legs. Something. Yeah, I was trying to remember that too. What the... Uh, <laughs> Um, what the plot was. I thought it was something at the season finale, but this is like the 10th episode of the season, and it's yeah. still relatively new, so it had to have been um, before that. Well, wasn't, wasn't like 9, 10, like a, a mid-season break in Community? Yeah, it probably was. That's probably right around when they would have. So um, there could have been a hanger, I don't know. Yeah. I was just looking up the dates. Um... Nine, the ninth episode was only like the week before, huh. so I have no oh, idea okay. so what the story is. No, so so the the thing that I really noticed about this scene specifically, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pierce is already not fitting in. It's already clear, you know what I mean. Everybody else has got good chemistry and good banter, and they feel like they're in the scene together. And Chevy Chase is out just doing his own thing. Clearly, it's it's his idea, and he's just, like, committed to it, and they're like, okay, well, we'll film five minutes of that, and you'll get about three seconds of stupid cake time, you know. Yeah, and, and they're writing in the fact that he doesn't fit in into the scenes yeah. by this point, like, where they, the writers get it, you know. Right, 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 yeah, it's a, it's, um, the, the thing about them drawing it back into, you drawing the Jehovah's Witness angle back in. It kind of sets the tone for this. That this is going to be an episode where, like, we come at it hard. The writers now fully understand all the characters and the universe. Mm-hmm. And they're really going to make it dance. And speaking of bad vibes, Chevy Chase is notoriously the man of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Has anybody, has everybody watched Chevy Chase's roast? <clears throat> no, I've seen parts of it. He's, oh like, God. genuinely angry. I'm not a disabled. I don't need people helping me do normal things and doting over me. And Why don't you just leave? Okay, I'll beat you there. Very funny, punk. Get out of my way. You need help, man? Oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> a little turning of the tables. Ah. Turning what table? I don't know. Leave me alone. <laughs> And I thought he would just be so thrilled to be back in front of the public acting on a, on a comedy. Yeah. But what? He went like berserk, right? He just, I mean, he didn't want to be there. Did uh, you ever talk to him? Like, a, like I was, when I would try, he would just try to fight me. What do you mean fight? <laughs> physically fight you? Yeah, he physically wanted to fight me. Is it Chevy or Chevy? Che- Chevy? Chevy? I don't know, I can't. It's, uh... It's a, it is, it's a thrill, a comedy icon, and living proof that you could actually snort the funniness right out of yourself. 
the only thing I think of when I look at this man is there but for the grace of God go I. Why would I tempt the comedy gods to strike me down like this? To leave me pale and pear-shaped, like humorless husk of my former self, haunting the halls of Hollywood like some sort of walking, waking, cautionary tale, shapeless and odorless and colorless, gray on beige, a comedy lamprey just sucking the joy out of everything I touch. I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just in from the crack research team, I believe Troy was injured in the seventh episode of this season. Uh, which was aerodynamics of gender. That was the one with the trampoline. Oh, right. And so he ends up going on the trampoline, and I think that's what ends up um, crippling him. Crippling Pierce? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because remember at the end of the trampoline episode, Pierce comes in and ruins it for them. He's like, yeah. ah, jump higher, double jump me, double jump me. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 All right, All right. I, think we're done. I think we're done. Yeah, so Chevy Chase, total bad vibes dickhole. Yeah. Yeah. Confirm. I'm, I'm frankly... Im- Fuck him. I'm <laughs> both surprised and a little bit impressed how long he stuck around on the show. Yeah, that's really weird. Because like, like we mentioned, at this point, it's already very, very clear that he doesn't get along yeah. with the cast. The writers know it. He's not even in the room for most of this episode. Right. You know, he's, right. he's not even with the ensemble. And this is the 10th episode of season two of a show that ran six seasons. Yeah. And so it's really weird to me that they were like, this works fine, I guess, <laughs> for a while. And not just the writers, but him. I mean, I guess it's a paycheck, but yeah. like, yeah. Jesus. And yeah. it's some career best for Chevy Chase. I mean, you know, next to the, 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 the not Caddyshack, but the family vacations. Vacation? Yeah, yeah, National Lampoon's yeah. vacation movies. Yeah. That's, that's some of his best, but still, like, community is so good that he has shining moments in the twilight of his career, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily in this episode, and definitely not for at least... You know, maybe what two seasons after this, or season <laughs> and a half after this. Um, but he, the man Chevy Chase, kind of comes back around, and you can see him start to cohese a little bit. Possibly, it's just that you know he can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The contract for the ending of his time at the show is finally signed, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he is like, oh. Hey, guess what? I'm here to work. A comedian guy who's got years and years of experience. And, you know, you get to see a different side of the Pierce character. Again, possibly informed by his relationship. You know, on set, it seems like the... Seems to me like community evolved a lot on set. Like, it... it, it, it Yeah. The, the pages came, like, right... You shot, and then pages came right after that that were informed by the shooting that you had done. Mm-hmm. 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 And on yeah. set, like Bill Murray, probably everyone wanted to punch him in the face. Chevy yeah. Chase. Yeah, oh, yeah. punch Bill Murray. Bill Murray punched punch Chevy him. Chase yeah. in the face. Okay, yeah. yeah. And I also wonder if, because Community rather famously 
was a consistent struggler in ratings, um, particularly because it was coming out at a time when NBC still hadn't accepted the new normal for what TV ratings are. Mm. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if either externally or just on their own, the writers felt some pressure to keep Chevy Chase around as sort of the most, the biggest name in the cast, so to speak. And yeah. the thing that NBC could kind of market it as, at least initially. It was at first like a vehicle for him. Yeah. And also, for a second, I definitely thought you were referring to the short lived NBC sitcom, The New Normal, that was presented <laughs> with the community. <laughs> Which was also a ratings challenged copy yeah, from it NBC. Didn't that work. Aired around this the time. ratings on that one were just so bad that they couldn't think about anything else. They named it well, ironically <laughs> on purpose. Yeah, I mean, both Community and, and Parks and Rec, which are which is another mm-hmm. favorite show of mine that I always sort of think of as hand in hand, more and Thirty Rock, um, mm-hmm. all more or less survived because they they never had good ratings, but they had just better than the worst next worst shows <laughs> ratings, and so NBC was like, well, we can't cancel everything; we have to keep something on the air, and so some of these critical darlings managed to skirt by while. Things like the new normal came and went. Yeah, yeah, and and NBC at the time, you know, they had The Office, obviously, which was on the same lineup right. with all of these, and they were doing kind of the classic studio model of uh, like mm-hmm. filmmaking, where they had like their big movie and they used it to finance these ones that were bringing them prestige. Right. Um, which at the time they were like, maybe this is valuable, and they apparently have decided that it's not. Because they've gone in a totally different direction. But there was this period of time in like the late 2000s, early 2010s, where they were consciously funneling the money from like a lot of their big franchises in the office back into these smaller comedies, especially. Right. That they were, you know, they were, like you said, they weren't doing horrible in rating. They were on the bubble every season. Right. But they weren't the lowest rated shows on TV. And so they were kind of like, we're not going to be CBS. You know, we don't have a two and a half men. So let's see if we can instead win all the Emmys. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think you know, we, we recently did an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, too. And when mm-hmm. I think about Chevy Chase on Community, I always have to think about Danny DeVito on It's Always Sunny, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the other yeah. role where an actor past their first round comes back in to really <laughs> hit it out of the park in a new experimental sitcom. Right, and well, th- yeah, <clears throat> Thirty Rock had an element of this too, right? With Alec Baldwin, they right. they had they 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 bring in an anchor name, they yeah. develop an entire cast kind of around that anchor character. The anchor character is only in about a third of the episode, so they've only got like one day of shooting a week that they need to show up for. And get paid for. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. they and then they you know and they just kind of hold on to it. So I, whenever I see Chevy Chase in this, looking uncomfortable and sad, and the rest <laughs> of the cast looking sad, I just imagine somebody sitting there at the desk just going, "No, we need this." You know, like <laughs> they put Danny DeVito in there and it caught on fire. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> the the Danny DeVito thing feels like an inverse Chevy Chase kind of. Oh, because yeah. Because It's Always Sunny predated Danny DeVito. It already existed. And he just loved it. And so he was like, I'm going to do everything I can to make this show a success. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to be in it. Let's do it. This fucking rules. And Chevy Chase, they built this show kind of around him at the at the beginning. And he didn't seem to like it ever. And <laughs> it's, it's a really weird dynamic to compare and contrast. And then Alec Baldwin's kind of right in the middle there where, you know, the they built key. it with him in mind. But he still was... 
you know, he enjoyed it. He had a good time. He won some Emmys. So it's just an interesting phenomenon. I think he was looking to step away from silver screen too, right? He he needed a yeah. regular paycheck. Yeah, and he had, I, I read an interview with him where he talked about how, you know, he was self-flagellating over feeling like he wasn't a movie star anymore. Alec Baldwin was. And it's like, yeah, you're on a great show, though. And, and, you know, I think he came to really embrace that, which is cool. Yeah, I definitely think he did. Hold the plane, hold the plane. Ooh, Hachi Machi. Wow, Carol, this is like a David-level episode for how far afield we're taking things. I know. <laughs> and I can't get back as the fucking plane. <laughs> my, my podcasts are well known for never being what they're about. So <laughs> apologies for that. <laughs> Pretty much just, now nah, you gotta follow the muse, man. You gotta chase the jazz. See where yeah, it goes. Yeah, no, we, we... <laughs> That's how you get hooked on heroin. <laughs> we usually spend, like, 40 minutes on diversions in the first scene of the episode, and then we're like, oh, okay, and then also this stuff happened. We do. <laughs> no, they drank. So, yeah. so, so Annie is reading off her gift to Troy, which is mm-hmm. a list of facts about Troy, and through this, and Troy being not what he thought, but actually Year of the Horse, we find out that his mother told him that everybody had to take fifth grade twice because you are ten twice because it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> ten for two years. And then he realizes his lie in his statement. <laughs> and the upshot is, is he's 21 today. Oh, yes. I love Donald Glover's delivery on, Mom, how many lies have I been living? <laughs> um, oh. Donald Glover... Is a genius, and I and I really think that it's time that everybody in this country just accepts that that's a fact. Right. Um, he's phenomenally talented as a comic actor in this. He was a writer on Thirty Rock. His music has gotten just better and better. And then Atlanta, like yeah, this guy's the best. This guy's one of the best guys we've got working on anything. And this episode is an amazing showcase of his honestly of his dramatic acting. This is one of the least funny Community episodes, and one of the most powerful, I think. Which is and, still funnier than most other television. Oh, it's super funny still, oh, but it's intentionally dramatic. Like I realized as I was making my notes, I'm like, all I'm doing is writing down stuff that makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How strange is that? Yeah. <laughs> but it's intentionally one of the more uh, pathos-filled episodes of the show. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And the actors carry the way. What I love about this is it, it kind of tying it back to Parks and Rec, we were talking about earlier. The community, especially in the first like four seasons really followed the Michael Shore rule of, of that you never sell out a character for a joke. Right. You know, right. you never undermine a character's uh, conception just to get a laugh. And this is an episode where I feel like they were like, we're dealing with really heavy stuff. We Some of it can't really be played for a laugh. Like, Shirley's plot is not really played for laughs through most of the episode. There are some beats that are, which we'll get into, obviously. But it's really serious, because it's a serious thing, and, and it's a character we're supposed to care about. And just in this early scene with with Donald Glover, he plays it as a joke, and it's super funny, but there's also a lot of pathos there. Like, there's actually some kind of pain in how he's doing it. And it's just just really well done. Yeah, that they can achieve both at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And really, it's that that strain of melancholy to this episode that, that makes it applicable for our format. I mean, that's really what makes this the... A special episode versus yeah. some of the other community ones is because this really is like a a deviation from the norm, even while it still is very much of a piece with the rest of the community. Yeah, it's a very complex examination of 
you know, drinking and how people drink and what it does to them. And uh, it's, you know, it's treated with the gravity that it deserves. So Britta and Jeff are arguing <laughs> about bars, which one they want to go to to break Troy's 21st birthday streak. And it's the L Street versus the Red Door. And they're both calling each other all kinds of names. <laughs> Will they, won't they, guys? <laughs> and Annie needs a fake ID. So they are going to hustle that up, and Jeff and Britta miraculously agree on the least, uh, the least terrible bar together, which is the Glory, no, the Glen Gary the, hole, the ballroom. Wait, get what? To the wait. ballroom. Later. You're right. You're right. You're right. 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 Finnegan's something or other, but yeah. that's closed. And Finnegan's then they end up... hole. Yeah, Finne- I think it's Finne- yeah. Flanagan's hole. Flanagan's yeah. hole. That's Flanagan's the right hole. hole. I couldn't find <laughs> the right hole, you guys. <laughs> yeah. So, so first we go to Shirley's car, and Annie is full on absorbing her new identity of Caroline Decker, the fake ID. <laughs> this is, I think, the funniest plot in the entire episode. Just uh, of of her really becoming Caroline Decker and how she just keeps layering character bits on top of it mm-hmm. and creating this this complex alter ego from Corpus Christi, Texas. What is it, Trout Farm that she grew up on? <laughs> Trout Farm. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Um, and it's really a showcase for Alison Brie. Very much which so. Is cool. And this initial this initial scene where she's just like you know, onboarding it is played 100% for laughs. And my favorite part mm-hmm. about it is that as it builds, it builds towards a manic break. Yes. And the last thing we see of her in, in the bar, I mean, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. It's yeah, very yeah. serious. Right, it's very yeah, serious. It, it takes it very seriously, <laughs> but you, I, I love that, you know, that, that they wink at it first and they, but you yeah. know, they're going to play with it later too. Right. They start yeah. with comedy and they build it into tragedy. Uh, Jeff calls Britta, and the Glengarry hole is closed. <laughs> so now they have to argue about bars all over again, and they settle on the ballroom. Mm-hmm. Which has, he says it's either got a gross name or an ironically fancy one, or possibly both. <laughs> or and both. he's right, it is both, because it's the ballroom. Right? That's such a good joke. I know, I love it. <laughs> What's your friend doing with a stack of other people's IDs? I don't know. Sometimes people sell their ID when they're leaving the state and need cash. So she's a drifter. A floater. Caroline Decker from Corpus Christi, Texas. Texas? Do I need an accent? You don't need an accent. Howdy, y'all. I'm Caroline Decker. Please don't do that. It's 21 at midnight. Cool? Yeah. Happy birthday. Uh, what are you doing here in town? Not much. I reckon. Just drifting, floating, spitting in the wind. General waywardness. Alrighty. Annie, you're in the bar. I don't like this place. Ah, you made that clear, Shirley. Oy vey. Hey, Shirley, welcome back. This is when Troy learns that plastic menus aren't a good thing. Yes, that's an amazing beat because they spend kind of a lot of time on it, which I think is really, really funny. He's just like, why are plastic menus good? They're great. They're so useful. Yeah, and it it's just like one of these like a great thing to have. So when your mom yells at you, they're plastic. <laughs> yeah, it's one of these beautiful little moments of like, 
stripping innocence over something that doesn't matter that actually <laughs> reveals a lot about Jeff's character in that moment. Because mm-hmm. yep. a lot of his thing is that he's, he's this constructed persona about like what's good and what's bad, what's cool and what's not. And I like that Troy, and they do this later on a lot too, Troy's innocence is kind of like a scalpel through Jeff in a lot of ways. And and this is one of the more subtle versions of that, where, you know, Jeff brings up this thing that we all kind of accept, like, yeah, restaurants that have, you know, uh, these these kinds of menus are kind of dorky. And he's just like, why? Why, though? Why is that a thing? And then he and... has a bit about how his mom said he ruined Fuddruckers because he spilled <laughs> yeah, yeah. his non-plastic menu. And that's another Troy family <laughs> moment. Yeah, that's yeah, that's is... that's my favorite loop of it, right? Where he's like, "Yeah, they're they're so practical and they're so logical," and then it comes down to that it's not practical or logical at all. He's got an emotional wound that he's covering yeah. with this. It's you know... another small family trauma for Troy. <laughs> yeah, the emotional wound that would be a really good name for a bar, maybe strip club. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It might be a little too on the nose for a strip club. That's how I like it. I like my strip clubs. You like your strip clubs on the nose? You like it on the nose? Right there. Right on it. You have to make motion really big. Emotional. (laughs) Yeah, that that would do it. it. I'm going to copy the graphic design of Pleasures of Real, which is this really scary strip club near us. It's called Whispers (laughs) Pleasure of Real. (laughs) It's like red and green Christmas colors. That sounds like an amazing 80s movie. Terrible. <laughs> Nobody go there, but let me know how it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for, our, for our non-Portland listeners who may not know bah. what I didn't know until my first trip out to Portland, <laughs> that you guys have, like, what, the most strip clubs per capita of any city in the country? Pretty much. And th- unless somebody took it from us, somebody hungry. Yeah, it, it wouldn't take much to like take it from us now. We've lost a couple of like big names, big <laughs> names, but uh, it's it's crazy. This place is completely nuts for them. When I first moved up here, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I've never been to a strip club. I don't have anything to say. No, oh, no, really? no. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. That's a whole nother special episode. Jesus, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Minneapolis is something of an anomaly in that it's one of the few like big metro areas that actually has strip clubs in downtown versus like out on the fringes we do too (laughs) which apparently is one of those things that makes it attractive when uh visiting professional sports teams come to play in minnesota because they can actually (laughs) go to strip clubs after games like right outside their hotel right and business conventions i'm sure right right yeah Portland is actually built on a strip club. If you look yeah. at it, the downtown, it's just a strip club center, and then things spoke out from there. Do you mean the Shanghai Tunnels? Yeah, the Shanghai <laughs> Tunnels is is actually just a gross, ironically gross strip club name. That's true. That's a good stripper name. Very regional. So we pull up to the bar after uh, Ahmed and Troy have an or no. Jeff and Troy and Ahmed share a crescendoing villain laugh together. <laughs> then we pull up to the bar and Shirley mentions that she doesn't like it. And everyone blows right over her. And here we are at the ballroom. Always ignoring Shirley. I know. Well, you know, she's... So it's interesting. They use the community school to get all these disparate people together. Mm-hmm. So you have, like, a mother who's older, Shirley, and... Sh- and she's not white like almost everybody else is. Actually, Ob, it's not white either. We have good diversity. And now there's Troy. 
Oh, you're right. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it because she doesn't see color. Yeah, thank you. Ooh. <laughs> Where I, you the, I, I have to podcast. tap on the floor like a horse <laughs> what, for what j- race certain people are on television. She just doesn't know. You have a whole you code set up? Into my hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have this diverse community. Get it? Community ah, college, mm, community of people. And Shirley is often left on the outs. Her and Troy have good lines about how they feel older and separated from the gang. So when Shirley complains here, we don't necessarily take it that seriously at first. Yes. And it feels like a subversion of how we've been treating Shirley throughout this whole show to this point. Mm -hmm. Where she always kind of has these weird issues that they do. And usually it's like, ah, she's old or she's religious or she's a mom, you know, whatever. And in this episode, it turns out that there is a kind of serious reason why she's not happy about it. Right. That they just kind of breeze over and do not take seriously. And um, it's great. It's so well done. And the first the big hint is when the bouncer knows her name, like a regular mm-hmm. Cheers deal. But she hustles right inside. And so, yeah, we notice immediately there in Shirley browsing the photos of regulars who are smashed and shit-faced. <laughs> and sure enough, Shirley is there all over, and she starts trying to hide them and taking them. Yeah, she starts clandestinely trying to hide the uh, the various pictures of her on the walls and on tables and stuff, sitting in front of them so that she can uh, pull them down. Yeah, and the, the idea is that the the bar has like Polaroids of its regulars kind of all over the place. But mm-hmm. then the gag being that Shirley has like hundreds of pictures all over the place. Cause that's how yeah. much of a regular she was. And then we've got the bartender who is a comedian. It's Tig Nataro. Mm-hmm. They're what, pretty big Looking deal. very like a bartender. I was, yeah. I didn't even recognize her at first. <laughs> right. Yeah. It took me a bit. I was like, Oh yeah, that's she's, she's not just a bartender. <laughs> And the, the whole time, uh, the, kind of the reason that you sit there and go, oh, it, she's not just a bartender, is because she is absolutely wasted. She <laughs> literally just, she could have been replaced with a sign that said, drinks, please. Like, it was really, <laughs> like, I mean, it, it, it was said, but both, you know, the, I, I made a note of it here. I was just like, take Nataro absolutely wasted like just <laughs> she's she's used the second time she's used she's used for a chin in an over shoulder shot that's it that's the entirety of her character's role is to be a cheek line in the corner of a freaking <laughs> over shoulder she could have just been playing it casual i don't know <laughs> I didn't see, like, like, sloppy sloppy drunk drunk i'm, I'm just saying that that like Nobody wrote anything for her. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? There was, right, there, was, yeah. there was nothing where it was like, all right, we've got Tig Nataro. We're going to bring her in here. And she's yeah, no, I mean, she's a straight weird. man through this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she is the sort of typical bartender in that she's just a sounding board, mostly for Annie as she's grappling with some of her issues. It's, it's she, uh, she's the, the one of two guest stars in this that have really understated uh, performances. That are kind of underwritten. Yeah. That are yeah. really, they're actually really interesting. They're cast the way that they are. And I think that the casting brings something to both of them that the script does not have. Yeah. Um, especially for the comedy nerds, which I think uh, everybody yeah. is. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Yeah, and, you know, I appreciate that everybody got paid and they all got green room food and stuff, right? And and it is interesting. It's always interesting to see somebody come in and do serious, you know, quote-unquote serious work, right? Like, that's that's yeah. interesting. But, yeah, to the, the Tig Notaro stuff, like, the, the other cameo, which we'll get to in a minute, the other cameo is a little bit less soft-feeling to me. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Tignataro stuff, it just, it really does just feel like you could have used any old extra. And, and Yeah, Tig feels like they were doing her a favor, huh? or she just really wanted to be on the show. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. either felt like she could use the money, and they were like, sure, let's get Tig in. Or she was like, hey, I don't care what it is, just throw me in. You know right. what I mean? Because it feels like a, a part that they were not planning on casting any kind of special guest for. Yeah, it, it, it made me feel like if you really wanted to use... Tignataro to maximum effect, you know, mm-hmm. you would have her just be like sleeping on a bench in the background and she wakes up in the middle of like, the fight and tells him to go fuck themselves, right? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that I, I, I don't think you get paid as much if they don't do <laughs> use you for, you know, <laughs> an over the shoulder shot and a second sure. thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So Annie's still doing her character, and she's really into it, and she's performing for Tig, and Britta reminds her that you don't even have to pretend anymore that you're in the bar, and Annie refers to herself as wayward. A drifter. (laughs) So she's having fun with it. She's living her id. All part of her Caroline proposal. It's another another Carol Caroline. No, Why do there's so many Carols in, te- in television and sitcoms and me is one also. So. Yeah, it's like every, every third episode of our show we're dealing with some variation of a Carol in the, in the episode. Right, right. Mm-hmm. See, it's, it's an important name. It's, it's, <laughs> it's everywhere some of the time. <laughs> Keep your eyes open, babies. Yeah, this is this Caroline is a really good like Jungian shadow of Annie uh, <laughs> right. that kind of helps explain who she is as a character, and uh, it's great because from what I remember, her, her character like Annie doesn't really change from this, which I think is kind of brilliant writing because she sort of has this uh, epiphany where she's like, I you know I, I was having so much fun being this person that's totally different, but I'm just gonna keep being me. Is kind of how it goes on in the rest of the show. Right, mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, it's really cool. The one the one change from my recollection that not so much an, it's a larger thing than just Annie, but mm-hmm. I feel like the the Annie and Troy history, the fact that they up until just now thought they were the same age and went yeah. to high school together and sort of ran in these different circles, and Annie had a thing for Troy because he was you know, the other big man on campus in high school. Um, I feel like this is the episode that kind of puts all of that to bed. And a lot of that comes out of the conversation that they have at the very end of the episode. Yeah. Um, But I feel like a lot of it is also a result of kind of the, the realization, like you said, that Annie has here that she likes who she is and that's okay. Um, I feel like from this point forward, that kind of tension gets, gets put down and then, they kind of both of the both characters sort of move on to other things. They they change yeah. to a sibling relationship at that. Yeah, point. exactly. Like, yeah, they, they do. They get a lot more brother sister right. after this. And and this scene where Annie is talking to Tig and she's accelerating and expanding this alternate character is where the episode turns. 
Mm-hmm. The episode now turns from kind of a an adventure romp into a distinctive and almost surgical character study on each of the characters in the bar. Mm-hmm. So, Capricious Caroline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Annie, Annie pretty much dissects herself for mm-hmm. you real time. Mm-hmm. And then following this, the next cameo. Should we move on? Uh, yeah, well, we're not there. So no. next, what happens is we have Troy deciding on his first drink. And he can't quite choose one, so Britta and Jeff helpfully help by telling him how wrong he is with all of his choices. Yeah, this this is the one that's that struck close ho- close to home for me when uh, Britta gives Jeff a hard time about the rules for high maintenance poser drinking. When he's all <laughs> like, you know, no, the only thing you want is scotch, and you want it neat. You don't want ice because it'll dilute the flavor. If anything, put two drops of spring water in there. Right, that's so, not true. Yeah, no, I. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I certainly there are Scotch aficionados who prefer it neat because they feel that the that the ice will water it down and and whatnot. But I would also you could also argue that it then also changes the flavor, which isn't a bad thing. It right. makes drinking makes drinking it a longer and more involved experience <laughs> and more pleasurable. Yeah, well, that's how yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. But I love when Troy's like, I like beer, and they both go, "Don't order beer." Well, and yeah. it's a, it's an it's a really interesting scene because all of Troy's suggestions are based on his feelings, mm-hmm. and everything that Britta and Jeff, the reason that they shut it all down, are based on kind of social things, like right. you know, Appearances. Troy likes Appearances. beer, and they're like, "Well, yeah. that's not you already have that. You can't do that." You know, he wants to get a uh, seven and seven because of his uncle, and they're like, "Well, that's a terrible drink. You can't do that." And they're kind of negating Troy's emotional lived experience with their kind of self-conscious coolness. Yes. Right. Uh, in a way that kind of echoes throughout the whole show in their relationship, specifically with Troy. You know, Troy Troy is very much like the beating heart of this show in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And this is one where that really rubs up against the kind of self-conscious presentation of Britta and Jeff. I also love Troy's line about how he can't wait to understand these arguments. <laughs> which just which just undercuts everything and yeah. reinforces that sort of like childlike innocence that he has at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. And speaking of subconscious rubbing against, we have Pierce <laughs> stuck in the doorway. He's going to be doing this bit a lot. He's in his wheelchair. He's using his mouth, and it's just scene after scene of this old man's casted legs hitting the doorframe over and over. Which I didn't realize it at the time. Uh, until I watched it a second time for this, that uh, we don't know how Pierce found them. Right. Because they were because they were originally going to go to Glengarry Glen Ross Hole Bar. Yeah. And then <laughs> they had they had the phone call that sent them to the ballroom, but we never actually saw anyone communicate that to Pierce, which is neither here nor there. It's just one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, it never even clicked on me the first time through. Yeah. And Pierce just knows funny finding a hole in this show which is much better and much harder to find those holes in. Uh, yeah pierce yeah. is wealthy enough and, and weird enough that he could have like tracked oh, yeah. their car it's, you can you can yeah. no prize it pretty easy right. what i liked about that scene uh watching it again is that it's obvious that it literally could have been shot anytime day or night yeah somewhere <laughs> else they could have just 
You know what I mean? They could have been <laughs> yep. like, Chevy, show up at nine. And he's like, all right, where's everybody else? And they're like, no, it's just you and the doorman today. Like, you you don't need to worry about it. Right? And it uses his uh, <clears throat> physical comedy, which is undoubtedly the best of Chase. And it keeps him away from people. It's two great bits. Yeah, that's the best thing you could do with him. And yep. I love a lot of Chevy Chase physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but both this and the opening gag with him working on that cake ineptly oh, yeah. are terrible. They're not that good. They're not yeah, even... they're not. You know what I mean? They're like, him. Yeah. They're, they're him. You know what I mean? They're, like, they're, yeah. They're, they're Chevy. They're bits where Chevy's like, I can do this thing. It'll be great. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess he just doesn't understand <laughs> that, like, during that era when he could just stand up there and, like, mash a cake, um, he also had, like, a cleft in his chin and, like, <laughs> yeah. beautiful he cheekbones was, and everybody in America <laughs> wanted to fuck the shit out of him. Yeah. They would have watched him, like, crumple up pages of paper and throw them away <laughs> and laugh the whole time. Right. He was one of the most handsome men in film at the time. He could do whatever he wanted. The curse of being pretty. Mm. Eventually become Pierce. Right. So <laughs> what, what I was going to say is that, that you know, even though he's really good at it, and, and back in the day he was really good at it because his body allowed him to do it, and body of cocaine allowed him to do that yeah. sort of stuff. But now it doesn't read he doesn't fight enough and it doesn't show hard enough on his face you know he just looks awkward he doesn't look manic and pain the way that he did when he did physical comedy previously right yeah that's he he just looks kind of blank and weird whereas like the the strength of the physical comedy and something like vacation is that there's just a lot of energy and emotion behind it and cocaine you know he's so and co- well, that's what that's what I mean. In the sense that his energy and emotion was cocaine. Um, but you know, there there's there's sweat and dilated pupils behind it. Um, and in this, it just feels kind of like it feels really rote, and it yeah. feels like, wow, who is this for, Chevy? It's for Chevy. Hey, you sexy monsters! This is Joanne Schinderly. Reminding you to control yourself every Sunday, 9 p.m. at Alberta Street Pub. But if you can't make it, you can listen to our live recordings here on the River City Podcast Federation. You guys, so much great comedy happens on the stage. People like Guy Branham, Baron Vaughn, Sarah Schaefer, Sean Jordan, local favorites like Caitlin Warehouser and Adam Posse, hosted by me, Joanne Schinderly, with an open mic to follow. Thank you guys for tuning in. I love you. Bye. not only space but also time which would suggest that the sebations are our future selves and Crichton is longing for a planet that no longer exists huh hey you're really nursing that beer which would make sense because what kind of wormhole would it be if you could only move from one place to another within the same galaxy on the same day you know speaking of wormholes um what do you say we use one to teleport this conversation someplace a little more private that doesn't make any sense wormholes and teleportation are two different things that's what I've been talking about this whole time. I noticed. So what now? I don't know. Even if I planned it, plans just fall off me like chicken crap off an armadillo. Annie's the one who plans things, not me.
And then we go to Abed. Is at an arcade cabinet doing what all cool dorks do at the bar, <laughs> which is play video games. Oh, and I guess I want to mention here that very briefly, IRL, I did get to meet Danny Pudi. He was oh, really? Very nice. Yeah. We oh, didn't good. even speak. He was at a Bridgetown comedy, one of the earlier Portland mm. comedy fests. I was at an after party. He was nearby me talking. And I put my drink down towards the corner of a table, and he scooched it back so it definitely would not fall. Aww. Isn't that nice? Yeah, we didn't even speak. We were having different conversations, but I'm like, TV guy. TV guy. Act uh, cool. That's a TV boy. And he was nice. Right? That's awesome. Where would you, where would you rank your encounter with him <laughs> alongside your Gallagher encounters? So much and higher. Your, and your Andy Dick encounters. So much higher. Okay. He's like, yeah, those two boys, uh, Andy Dick and Gallagher came off terribly at Bridgetown. And Danny Pudi came off wonderfully at Bridgetown. And um, which Baldwin did I meet? <laughs> it was Stephen. Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> Oh, that's like the worst Baldwin. He was not the best Baldwin. But he was very nice, actually. I have, he was very nice. My, I was like laughing that he was there and somebody made me say hi because I was laughing too hard. That was at a Comic-Con. Big time Hollywood story. I think it's probably true that like the worst Baldwin is better than the best Estevez Sheen. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I don't want to meet Charlie. He's the best, Devez. <laughs> oh, wait, we're saying Charlie's better than Emilio? No, but I mean, like, objectively, you know, by the Hollywood eye, yes? I mean, capitalistically, for yes. sure. Uh, yes, yeah. that, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, we have Abed, and he is playing, what is it, Galaga? He's having the time of his life. Enter Cameo 2 that we have been dangling. It's a comedian guy. Paul F. Mid- Tompkins? Is it that one? It is Paul F. Tompkins, yep. It's the yap? Yeah, he's he's a he's a dog man on Bojack, and he's done a bunch of stuff. Aren't uh, he and Allison Bree's characters are married on Bojack? Aren't they? Uh, yes. They're certainly yes. together. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or yeah, maybe not yeah. married. They're a couple or something like that. Yeah, so that's kind of a community cameo. If you remember this, then they're there. It's another another world. Yeah. And they end up nerding out pretty hardcore about Farscape, which is a show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have uh, I have some friends who are big Farscape fans, and I've never actually watched it. And I like to troll them by pointing out about how it's just a show about space muppets, and that's why wow. I don't want to watch it. There's one show Austin doesn't like, and he's mean about it. Well, to be fair, I don't know that I don't like it because I've never actually seen it. I just, you know, when it was when it was on, I'd be like, "Well, that just looks like." Like Star Trek, but with Muppets, and uh, I think I'll pass. Yeah. Although I now I realize that sounds awesome, and I probably <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I had a very uh, similar response at the time. I was just like, "Puppets? Come on, get real." I'm an adult man. I exactly. need <laughs> my sci-fi needs to be serious. This is ridiculous. I mean, I love puppets, but I don't want to watch newer sci-fi puppets. I want them from the past when when things weren't okay, because that's when puppets haunted me. I mean, I was on, like, it, the 90s. I mean, that's pretty old 90s. 99. Don't yeah. worry, guys. I watched the first episode of Farscape recently, and it was boring as hell. Uh, so <laughs> I, I really like Farscape, um, but if you're going to go back and you're going to watch something, you should go back and watch Lex. If you're willing to, like, put down the goofiness barrier and uh, allow something in, Lex is more fun, in my opinion. Right. I've never heard of that. Me neither. So noted. 
are Jeff and Britta <laughs> are still arguing about poser drinking and what's the coolest way to drink and how's to be cool. And they're both cooling off real hot heats in front of each other. Will they, won't they? I love the moment when Annie comes back with extra drinks and then walks away and Jeff's like, who was that? Because <laughs> she acts all crazy. Like, I'm going to go powder an Arvox butt. Yeah, she's all in fully, fully involved in her Caroline persona. Jeff's a little drunk and not paying attention. Right. And then we've got Ahmed really, really unpacking that Farscape stuff. <laughs> yeah, so... He gets so, into it. Yeah, Ahmed goes super deep, and uh, Paul F. Tompkins goes... Uh, super deep. Super deep, yeah. He, <laughs> um, this is, this is kind of where his cameo turns from being again total wasted um potential into something when he uh he stops abed in his tracks and then makes it a very you know definite like i am hitting on you this is a sexual thing moment which is yeah and he's Mm -hmm. the wormhole to segue (laughs) right yeah i just wrote down his line was like speaking of wormholes and i just went wormholes thank you for noticing that i didn't notice that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well it's such, a, it's such a great Abed moment when Paul Tompkins is like how do you not notice that I'm hitting on you and he's just like oh I did like I noticed and it just doesn't even compute <laughs> yeah I just I really like talking about Farscape right. yeah it doesn't even compute that like that's weird to him it's like yeah I just like when Farscape it's, it's such a great talking about it. Inv- well not inversion um, but like it's playing with the expectation of Abed because everyone's thinking like oh he's socially awkward he doesn't pick up on social cues he didn't realize Mm -hmm. that this guy was hitting on him and he's actually like no i totally got that this guy was hitting on me i just don't care because i like farscape yeah it's it's a it's a joke 360 right like it takes you one full loop past where you were expecting it to go which is hilarious and it ends with a drink in the face so we know we're having classic bar shenanigans people (laughs) classic so we've got Pierce still battling with his chair. Oh god! <laughs> Separated from all the people, no one has to talk to Chevy Chase or look at him or think about how much potential he squandered. That's the dream. I I realized <laughs> watching this, I was like, I have way more sympathy than I probably should have for the bouncer because <laughs> I was just imagining, like, not even not the actor playing the bouncer, but the character of the bouncer in the show. I'm like, God, that must be so awkward <laughs> to just have to stand there and watch this guy in a wheelchair try to get in and then get stuck after you've tried to help him and he's turned it away and you just kind of have to stand there and watch it all go down. Baby boomers. I felt bad for him. Yeah, I feel bad for the actor too because the actor's in the exact same Why, spot, right? right? He's sitting there. Yeah, it's it's again, it's the off day. Nobody fun is there on set. It's just <laughs> you and Chevy Chase, and your line is literally like, "Are you okay? Can yeah, I help you. Wait yeah. seventeen minutes while he rams into things <laughs> for a while, and then three more minutes and cut." All right, we need it from three more angles. Can you guys do it exactly like that? Shit. Yeah. The good news is you'll be working with a celebrity. Yay! The bad news is it's Chevy Chase. (laughs) And so after that round of sadness, this is where the smoking gun finally shoots in the air. Britta went to the ladies' pee-pee room, and she found in there a framed picture of Shirley Shithouse, drunk. 
I love the visual joke of Shirley coming up to them with just an enormous fucking stack of pictures that she's gone around the bar and pulled down. Right, that while they've been busy arguing, she's been busy, like, clearing Yeah, and they, you know, they don't draw a lot of attention to it or anything, but you just realize she's clutching this huge stack of pictures. Right, and Britta's having a great time laughing, and so is Jeff, they're both drunk too, and they're like, no, this actually makes us like you more, which is a great moment, finally seeing Shirley's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I love that Troy, he's laughing too, but more genuinely almost. Like, he seems like he's laughing. Like, they say that they, it makes, the, makes them like her more, but his laughter seems more like laughing with, yeah, not that's at, mean. which is just another great character moment for him. Again, it's the heart of the show. And Shirley admits that she's had a couple bad years with a chaser. Which is a nice moment about her life. Because she mm. comes off as kind of sanctimonious yep. and religious sometimes. So to know that she's covering right. for an actual like time when she was a total barfly really adds to the character. It's not a cheap yeah. joke. It's like, oh, this is what she's covering for. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and she is sanctimonious and religious yeah. a lot of the time. Which is part of the complexity. Like, it's it's that she, she does act like that. But it's we start to learn that it's not unearned. Right. You know what right. I mean? It's not like she hasn't been around. And, and kind of come to understand why, from her perspective, people should act a certain way. Yeah, basically, and this Shirley scene, for, first off, I find it super interesting that they don't resolve it. Mm. Again, yeah. like you said, not, not mm-hmm. subverting a character for a joke. They leave this raw. This is a thing that it's the character is not okay with it. Yeah, the last thing she says is, you know, see you on Monday. And that's like... Mm-hmm cut rap for Shirley in this episode. Yeah, and she bolts. Well, actually, she would like to bolt, except somebody's yeah, doing his yeah. bit in the doorway. <laughs> I, I would say that the, the Shirley Yikes. admitting that she had a problem and then also not consciously necessarily or, or out loud, but acknowledging that she has a problem with it having problems with being perceived to be imperfect. Right, right. That's the second character thesis of this episode, right? We've we've already experienced Annie's full manic expansion and then re- kind of return to normal, you know? And then mm-hmm. now we're getting to see mm-hmm. Shirley's life is not as perfect as it was. We're, we, we crack open the shell of her life a little here. Yeah. And so she bolts, and then Pierce is in the way, and he has to finally break a little bit and ask for help. And she does it, but then they are out. Okay, so what is wrong with you that you can sit here this whole time and never pick up on the fact that a man is hitting on you? Oh, I actually did pick up on it after a while. You actually... And? I really, really like talking about Farscape. Hey there! What you been up to? I was just, uh, praying for these... Poor souls in these photographs. Oh, that's nice, but, uh, you missed one. <laughs> Don't feel bad. This makes us like you way more. I think this is real funny. Yeah. Yeah, well. Had some bad years. With a chaser. Come on. It's a funny picture because you act so perfect all the time. But it's not funny when you're sad. Give it to me. See you all on Monday. Shirley, wait. What? Nothing! Get out of my way! I can't get out of your way. 
stuck in this place. The chair broke. I mean, you can't get. Could you please help me? Could you please? Thank you, Shirley. Welcome, Jackass. So we go to Troy, who finally gets to watch the clock tick down the seconds till he is officially 21, and he orders that 7 and 7. That reminds him of his uncle. Aw, oh, it's such a great little moment. It's good. And Tig Nataro's there, being mm-hmm. totally drunk or whatever. Yeah. Or just totally straight. That's where I feel like she <laughs> she brings a lot of warmth to the rather thankless line of being like, you know, happy birthday, kid. It's on the house. Yeah, uh, yep. she does do it there. Yeah, she really does. Yeah. That's a really, really sweet moment. I'm like, I would like to go to a bar where she's <laughs> right. <bartender>. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally. Yeah. She seems like really like practical and like, She's not going to do the thing where if I'm not, like, dressed hip enough, they just won't serve us for two hours, like <laughs> bartenders <laughs> like to do sometimes. <laughs> the drinks on the house, and we pan around the bar and just kind of say goodbye to it here. And uh, and basically, Troy just sees mm-hmm. everybody's miserable. He sees <laughs> that everybody, everybody else is having an, a self-image crisis. And that they're they're using alcohol yeah. to try to deal with it, and it's clearly not working. Like it's it's a. Uh... You take that back about alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> right. How dare so, you so, impute so. its good name? <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a really good drinking episode because uh, nobody dies like the Chandler yeah. in of Life <laughs> or in the other ones. No one gets in a wreck, but you do see the sadness. And the struggle of like getting getting sloppy drunk and it can just mess up your day, but it's lightly handled and you can still have fun with it. Well, too. it's it's more down to earth in terms of like uh, I'm not I don't want to belittle death by drunk driving, but I feel like most people that drink probably feel this more than they feel the stinging kiss of death. So it's it's a little bit more like you know. Anyone that drinks can come to terms with this and see something, see yeah, something was, of themselves in this. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. more personal version of that. It was, it's, it's because it's not right. kind of scary. Yeah, exactly. drunk it's an, an, an argument necessary um, to not start versus an argument to stop doing. Right, right, right. And yeah. speaking of drunk driving, who's the driver back? It's Troy, and he's not really drunk. He seems to be, again, the only sober one and an increasing mess of company. And he's he's happy because he gets to drive Jeff's car. Yeah. yeah, that's his character note. He wanted to at the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. And we've got Jeff and Britta being extra sloppy in the back seat and yelling at each other about their drinking habits and who's cooler. And they pass the bar that they both like. <laughs> and they both like different bars, they thought, because it was named L Street. And the red door, but it turns out that bar didn't have a sign, and they were both just identifying it on its physical details. <laughs> so they both like the same bar the whole time, you guys. <laughs> it's a great little twist. It's great. Yeah. And that causes Troy to finally it's, lose his cool. It's he great. pulls over and yells at them. 
because all this time he was taking them as the cool people, but they're no cooler or smarter than he is. They're just as dumb as me, to which they respond, da doi. Da doi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classic line. dumb person response. Yeah, and and his you know, Troy's Troy's like un- welcoming to adulthood is like, you know, got it. Doy. That's just the mission. That's the operational like parameter around here. Doy. Exactly. And that's a really good, honest, real mm-hmm. coming of age. Everyone is just as dumb as you, more or less, depending on how dumb you are. Well, and, yeah. just the, and just the notion that, that true. turning an age doesn't automatically make you any smarter or less dumb than you were before you turned that age. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. yeah. That, it's a, that it's an evolutionary process, not, a, not one where you change in sudden spurts. Right. Yeah, sudden spurts is another good <laughs> name for it. <laughs> 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 it's a risky one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of, of risky strip clubs this is where annie points out that you can drop her off first troy because this is her neighborhood and it's a bad neighborhood and this i think might be the first instance that we discuss annie's bad neighborhood situation which is a little bit of a plot line yeah because it eventually leads to her uh mm-hmm. to her moving in with troy and abed down the line mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, everyone realizes this is her house, and Troy walks her to the door. And you all say that this is when they stop being romantic, but it almost seems like they could fuck at any minute. Oh, no, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It definitely seems. But they don't. Yeah. This, I mean, is, this is the end. Like, this, they, yeah. this is the, the go-no-go moment for their sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. They're either going to have sex right now, or they're not ever going to have sex. And Troy kind of can't yeah. because he left the people he's taking care of in the car downstairs. So he's got that obligation to them. And also I think he realizes and maybe she realizes too that it's not meant to be. And then Troy kind of synthesizes everything that we've learned about Annie so far in the episode mm-hmm. to back to her, to, to, to show again because of the fact that he's been sober, he's been paying attention the entire time and understands and still likes her. He doesn't need to be drunk to like her anyway. Right. It's a really sweet moment because we mm-hmm. see how much he actually knows her now when he used to not pay her any mind in high school. Well, yeah, and that's his, his great line when he, you know, she talks about how he didn't even know she existed in high school. And he's like, yeah, but I know who you are now, mm-hmm. which is just such a sweet thing. And then they totally did it. <laughs> yeah. Big time. This is also the episode, I think this is the first hint we get at the future Troy-Britta coupling. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because they because there's a little yeah. moment in the bar where he's like... Uh, um, she's a hurricane. She's a hurricane. He's like, yeah, Jeff, that's a bad like, thing. That's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That and, you know, that set up... I don't know, you know, I've got other feels about the way that storyline turns out or whatever, but I think, yeah, I think it was great because all the characters evolve and they change and they get crushes on each other and fall more in love with each other and less in love with each other. It's it's interesting. This is, you know, again, that, that scene right there, it shows you more about Troy. It shows you that he's not just a jock, that he is an emotionally connected person. Right, right. 
Speaking of crushes on each other, you know who actually is for real, <laughs> totally making out, all sloppy style. We got Jeff and Britta in the car, right around Abed. They're like over him or on him, and he's just trying to avoid it. I just wrote down poor sober Abed. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, there's nothing worse. Like at least Troy's driving. Like, there's nothing worse than being like the sober guy in a group of drunks that just has like nothing else to do. That is tough. If you're not out to fuck and if you're not out to drink, a <laughs> bar can be very boring. Uh-huh. Or a car after the bar can be even more so boring. Being the designated driver is the worst. Being the designated sober passenger, maybe even yeah. worse than that. <laughs> exactly. So then Troy returns <laughs> and Abid totally snitches. And Troy mm-hmm. totally calls him on snitching. And mm-hmm. Abid's got the great line, like, <laughs> I'm not made of wood. Yeah. Why would you do it in front of me? I'm not a coat rack. Right. Well, so so it starts <laughs> off with Troy apologizes to them for flying off a handle, mm-hmm. right? And then Abed snitches, and then they begin to fight again, and Troy stops them instantaneously and parents right. immediately. He tells Abed that nobody likes anybody, you know, a tattletale. You know, and then we have this great moment. Abed, you know, basically just asserts himself, even though he's not a sexual person he's not also not a sexual void he's like not a null right yeah he's like i'm still aware of things yeah. happening around me <laughs> right. yeah, which has been what he's doing this whole episode is yeah. is making the point that he does right right, right. just because he's he may not be interested in it doesn't mean he's not aware of its existence doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's not awkward for him but that's funny for us so <laughs> yeah so yeah you know like really like we, we get to see so much about each character in this particular episode. That's, you know, I'm so glad that you picked this one. There's other there's other community episodes that you could pick very easily and make the argument they're, they're a very special episode. This one is like, you know, master's thesis level work of people who understand yeah. how their show works, flexing their muscles because they understand how it works, right? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good Shirley episode, very good drinking episode, and no one had to die or sing Wild Thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the dream. Right? That's, yeah, how... that's that's how you knew that Troy was sober when he was driving that car, was because he wasn't singing Wild Thing at the top of his lungs, <laughs> as all drunk people do when driving. Right? Can't even help it. It's pure instinct. Troy. I think I owe you a birthday. I'm cool. I always want to drive this thing. What? Oh, this is my car? Don't crash it. I'm not gonna crash it. Crash it, Troy. Go to sleep, Britta, go to sleep. Crash his car, Troy. (sighs) Hey, that's the place that we should have gone to tonight. Yeah, L Street, exactly. This is a red door, stupid. You see a sign that says L Street? L Street is too cool to have a sign. The red door is on L Street. L Street has a red door. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same bar? You two have been saying one bar is lame, and the other one is awesome all night. And it's the same bar? I just spent the last two years thinking that you guys knew more than me about life. And I just found out that you guys are just as dumb as me. The doy. Yeah, the doy. Got it. The doy. The doy.
basically community. Then we go to a very nice little stinger, as we often do. It stars mm-hmm. Troy and Abed. And we just see Abed holding a shirt. It looks like a pretty unremarkable shirt. A giant, big, big t-shirt. A somewhat huge, unremarkable t-shirt. But then he's like, I don't think it's big enough. And we pan to see that Troy is already wearing so many shirts that it has to be sizable to even get around his body. <laughs> the final count, they managed to get it on. It's a close one. <laughs> the final count is 157 shirts. And after that, the cell phone rings. Amazing. A phone starts ringing, right? Ba-boom! <laughs> and Troy tells Abed to hurry because he thinks it's a girl calling. So good. Wow. How Which, fun. The nice little stinger at the end, of course, reminding you that just because he matured doesn't mean that his character has changed. He hasn't lost his soul. He's not going to be mm-hmm. just dropping deep wisdom every single episode. <laughs> He's still a dork. Right. Right. And, and and part of it is Annie accepting her journey through her fantasy and return to her real life. Troy did the same. He he mirrored her loop. He explored it in his mind and then came back to the same conclusion. I'm doing okay. Right. Oh, what a very special episode. So fun to get into community. Uh, Aaron, let's start with you. What did you find to be a very special moment of this very special episode? Oh, um, so there's a lot of very special moments. Probably the specialist moment to me is that rant about Farscape. <laughs> because I, I love Inside Ball jokes yeah, you know that's with, kind of like you getting started on a baywatch nights episode right yeah like if if you want me to like d- dig deep on um some new bob newhart show or something like that you know like I, I i love that stuff when they're um they're making a reference to a previous sitcom they did or whatever i love when it gets it, it gets super deep like that that was like a, a writer's room love note to the program mm-hmm. and it was really cute to see very good. And Kyle, what was a very special moment for you this episode? Um, we actually already mentioned it, but I really liked the moment when uh, Tig Nataro gives Donald Glover his 7-7 seven yeah. seven and says it's on the house, happy birthday. And it's just this really beautiful, small, tender moment that it kind of feels like the emotional anchor in some ways of the whole episode. And um, it just really struck me as as being a very just earnest and heartfelt moment. Yeah, it's a very uh, heartfelt. It's a very it's a very perfect coming of age yeah. moment. Like I can't think of a better way to get your first drink than at the stroke of midnight from. Yeah, this Carl. kind bartender that's giving it to you for free with tenderness, not just like oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah no problem I'll get it for you, but like in that moment she cares. Mm-hmm. And that's really beautiful to me. Very special. And Austin, what was your favorite special moment tonight? Well, that one. Um, but other than that one, um, I also really liked when when Annie was was building up her Caroline per, uh, uh, persona. persona, and uh, she referred to her. She said, "You know, that's why they call me Capricious Caroline." And then realized that <laughs> capricious isn't a word that char- this character of Caroline that she has created would use, right. and then has to backpedal and be like, "Like, what does capricious mean?" Like, 
I mean, some $5 word that Caroline wouldn't learn. <laughs> right? That's very good. Which is just a great little bit of, of her, you know, inventing her persona on the fly and then realizing that it did, there was a little too much of herself shining through in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's very yes-ending there. Yeah. And, I liked, and I liked the... Um, I like the moment between her and Troy when he says that he may not have known who she was in high school, but he knows who she is now. Yeah. That as well is very heartfelt. Uh, I'll go the other way and say my most specialist moment was when Shirley is just kind of mumbling, no one's listening to her, that she doesn't like this bar, <laughs> and then she gets called out by the bouncer with that warm welcome and just that look of terror <laughs> in her eyes. And that whole character subplot, like, they keep it forever. You know this about her. And in that moment, in the following moments, you just realize how complicated Shirley is. And, yeah, how she came by her, her folksy wisdom honestly by going mm-hmm. it the hard way a couple of years. Really adds to what could be a one-note character in lesser hands. So, ah, let's see. Aaron Walker, when you aren't hanging around in the very special studios and hanging out with chords and doing whatever, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, online, you can find me at uh, twitter.com slash jarvitron, J-A-R-V-I-T-R-O-N. Or you can uh, find me at aaronwalker.smugbug.com, where I do my uh, comedy and event photography. Noise. And Austin Gordon, when you aren't trying to get into somebody else's wormhole, where are you online? <laughs> Uh, you can find Ostentatious Austin on Twitter <laughs> at Austin Gorton, and you can read my writing at therealgentlemanofleisure.com. And Kyle McCormick, when you finally manage to get that wheelchair out of the doorway, <laughs> <laughs> where do you hang out online for our listeners to follow? Um, you can just follow me on Twitter at Kyle underscore McCormick or either of my River City podcast shows on Twitter, which I believe are at Rebootsies and at Specscript Show. Oh, and since we're in a Starburns Industries property, why don't we go ahead and mention how Specscript, a couple episodes ago, did a Walking mm-hmm. Dead where we had Starburns himself. Dino... That's right, Dino Stamatopoulos. 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 Stay on top of this. Stamatopoulos. Stand on top of this. Dino, stand on top of this. Uh, That's what I said about the stage when I saw him. Perfect. Yeah, he was great in the episode, and he's a very sweet man. And he really stood there. He really did it. Well, he sat, which wasn't great. He did. He did a bunch of moral oral songs. It was great. It was great. He's great. So listen to that. That's Specscript on the River City Podcast mm-hmm. Federation, where you can find me at carolymain.com, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-M-A-I-N, like the streets. Carolymain on Facebook, Carolymain at Twitter. Look out for my card game pitch, please, and to check out my very special Rick and Morty cover, go to Oni Press, myshopify.com, collections, new releases, products, Rick and Morty, pocket like you stole it, one variant cover. And you'll have some Starburns crossover with myself Ooh. and the entire River City Podcast Federation, which you can listen to all those shows at the RiverCityPodcastFederation.com. And for a very special episode, you can find us at a very special episode podcast.com or a VSE pod at Twitter at Gmail. And we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and Google Play. You can also find us on the exciting RiverCityPodcastFederation.com. And I am reminding you for a very special episode, cheers to the bad years. 
but take them with a chaser, like a very special podcast. I can do this thing. It'll be great. Okay. The Emotional Wound. That would be a really good name for a bar. Maybe strip club? (laughs) You have to make motion really big. Emotional. (laughs) Trout farm, yeah. I want them from the past when... When things weren't okay, because that's when puppets haunted me. Puppets? Come on. Get real. I'm an adult man. Are terrible. They're not that good. They're not even... This guy's the best. This guy's one of the best guys we've got working on anything. You just, like, represent male gaze. That's the right hole. I couldn't (laughs) find the right hole, you guys. Now you gotta follow the muse, man. You gotta chase the jazz. See where it goes. How many lies have I been living? (laughs) No, we need this. Fuck him. Chill out. You go fuck themselves, right? You know, like, yeah. body of cocaine allowed him to do that uh, sort of stuff. Yeah, that's the best thing you could do with him. They would have watched him, like, crumple up pages of paper and throw them away. It feels really rote. And it feels like, wow, who is this for? So, uh, I think I'll pass. Although, now I realize that sounds awesome. And I probably... Alright, where's everybody else? No, it's just you and the doorman today. <laughs> like, you, you don't need to worry about it. That's the dream. Yeah, that was this AVSC on your home PC with some VIPs of SBTP. Was it Austin G, Dr. DB, RAT, or the C Money? What the heck was with that TV? This podcast is kind of funny. Excuse us all, because we got to go pee. That was a very special episode. We dissected that shit from head to toe. Did the time fly by, or was it slow? Got so many life lessons. Oh, how we've grown. Seen so much TV that we're gonna explode. Next time, on a very special episode.